All right. Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans. We bring you Michigan football each and every week. My name is Caleb, and with me is Craig. And Craig, it has been a long time. How are things? Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, there's times where you, you want to do a show, and then there's times where you just don't want to do the show because you're, you know, you just don't. Yeah. You know? You know what I mean? It's it's difficult and I'm yeah. we are tasked with this difficult situation and I believe that we can overcome. Yeah, we have to do it. I mean, we have to do it, but um it is uh, Michigan football, so got to do it. Yeah, for sure. So, um but saying that, it was nice to do the uh, last episode if you guys did not listen to it. I recommend that you go back to it. Um, we got uh, quite a few voicemails, so we did uh, its own segment, its own episode with that. So if you go back there, you get to hear other people's thoughts that we uh, share their voicemails, and then we uh, discuss them afterwards and everything like that. So, um, Oh, go ahead. Well, you and I, boy, we, um, we pretty much got this, what we what did. I don't think I picked it right, but I certainly said the two things that might happen. It's either going to be a close game or it's a blowout. <laughs> yeah, you, you did say that. I do remember that now. <laughs> so am I, like, completely wrong? Yeah, I nailed the score for Michigan. I did predict the 13 points, but I did not predict 42. I predicted 24, so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, kind of just interested here to go back and look because I'm actually uh, recovering from, you know, the emotional high and emotional lows from this weekend. I uh, have not gone back and looked at these le- yet. Let's see. <laughs> the Michigan defense will hold Saquon Barkley under 100 rushing yards. We both liked that, and we were both yeah. idiots. Yeah. Boy, put that, put that dump thing. Wait a minute. You got that dump sound effect? Put a dump on there. Uh, yeah. Where? Uh, so nope. did he only rush? Because he finished with 108 rushing yards. I think he had 161 combined yards. Yeah, but he only. So did he not he rush in the second half? Because I swear he had over 100 in the first half. He had 76 yards rushing. Wait, yeah. no, I got I got 108 rushing. No, it's uh, McSorley. Yeah, we're getting that a little mixed up there. But uh, yeah, I don't know why either because I I do that all the time too. I get those two mixed up. But yeah, I yeah. swore in the first half he had 108 yards. So I mean, maybe I'll have to look into that deeper. So maybe he didn't rush in the second. I don't know. I don't remember that. Anyways, moving on, moving on. Um, Michigan will score more touchdowns than field goals. He had 108. Yeah, 108 rushing yards. Yeah, I'm just curious. I can't remember because I swore they were making a big deal about how he broke 100 in the first half against Michigan, but I I could be wrong. I, or maybe it was teams. Okay, that might have been what it was. Um, our second locker dump it. Michigan will score more touchdowns than field goals. We both dumped it, and we were yet again wrong because we got no field goals. No field goals for you. <laughs> right. Yep. Which was surprising, but. You know, it is what it is now. Uh, ba, ba, ba. Well, this was total garbage. Hang on. 
Yep. Uh, Michigan will have a touchdown over 40 yards, passing or rushing. You dumped nope. it, and I locked it, and I was the idiot that time. Yeah. Because I thought um, since we were having such red zone struggles that there would have been a long touchdown, and that was incorrect. So here we are sitting uh, after the weekend talking about uh, Michigan's embarrassing loss, uh, 13-42 to against the number two ranked Penn State Nittany Lions, which actually was really funny because – um, our friend Brandon and I were talking during the game and we're really getting kind of annoyed how people were just referencing Penn State as the Lions. <laughs> right. I never I never do that and I find that kind of weird that they were doing it, but whatever. So Yeah. On to the game though. I don't even know really where to start. Craig, um I'm gonna hand that lovely task over to you. Oh boy. Well, it like I said well, I said it in the last podcast when we were doing the voicemails that uh, tale of two halves, really. I mean, and it was interesting because I think, you know, you can either you can talk about the defense or you can talk about the offense. And and I guess part of me wants to talk about the defense at this point, because the defense at during this game, you know, I have to say that uh, Don Brown uh got out coached and i think you you know you talk was it moorhead is the offensive coordinator for penn state did a great job of game planning for uh, don brown's defense um i think moorhead had a uh, and franklin came into this game and and i think they literally looked on the tape and they said you know what we're gonna do some mismatches in this game and i think that just literally um took this team apart um you can tell in the first uh beginning of the game um uh, don brown stick was sticking with the man-to-man defense which is pretty evident um that wasn't working in fact we got burned quite a few times and obviously that barkley with a huge run up the middle to set the tone and then um just the certain things just literally i think as the game progressed it just it, I, it dawned on me that I just didn't understand why you would, and and Stephen actually brought that up in the voicemail last show is um, why you would put uh, McCray on Barkley made no sense to me. I mean the guy McCray is a is a good player. He's just not. You match him up with Barkley, it's just not even fair. <laughs> I mean it's like you got a Heisman, the guy you know. Barkley is so really so good as a player and he's a threat at every part of this game. And if you saw in this game, there were so many plays where Barkley was in there and he didn't even get the ball. He's a decoy. It was like hilarious watching all the linebackers in the whole uh, defensive line or even the middle linebackers get pulled to the right. Just, because he think Barkley's going that way, and I can understand why, but they got burned, and then it was McCray's job to stop him, and it it it, it got out of hand, and then you had the t- part where you saw, you know, certainly Metellus being on 
uh, a safety, Metellus being on Hamilton, and he got burned so many times. It was a bad matchup there. They knew that Hamilton is one of their best receivers, and they knew that they had the matchup problem there. I think uh, uh, Hamilton's at, what, 6'1". Um, I thought he was much taller. He, in fact, he jumped taller than he looked, but I think he's like six one, six two, and um, he was burning uh, the safety there at Mattelis, and, and no answer for that. And and our safeties in our corners had a tough time looking back at the ball, and they just got burned on big yardage. And McSorley really, really played well. In fact, he did nothing but pick on our safeties in our uh, corners. Yeah, yeah. The the McCray um, Barkley situation. Uh, I don't get it. <laughs> did, yeah, did not make sense. Now I I can understand how it may have happened a couple times, because right. you know you try different things, you move some different players around, things happen. You know that's that's it is what it is. Um, where it might pop up like that sometimes, but just the fact that it happened as many times as it did. That was surprising, and I do go back and agree with you where it did appear in this situation that Don Brown got outcoached, and so it's kind of a question of, okay, did he just get stubborn? Did he not make adjustments like he normally does? Because Michigan is normally a second-and-a-half team, and that was completely not the case this time, completely not the case. Um, Now, if you look at it, and you take it for first quarter, second quarter, that's almost how – a Michigan game will go because uh, you saw a lot of production from Penn State in that first quarter. Then Michigan got into the second quarter, and the defense was great. Handled everything. It was almost like they made halftime adjustments. Well, they went to zone. Yeah, and things they, were going okay. Zone. Yeah, and it, it worked out. In fact, yeah, they went from man-to-man to zone. It worked out very, very well, and I just wondered why the second half they went back to man-to-man. It didn't make any sense to me. So. Yep, yeah. so I'm not sure. I'm uh I really honestly believe that a huge part, if not the entire part, of this rejuvenation for Penn State has been Joe Moorhead uh, yep. himself. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, he just really coached his butt off. And you know how you know how we've been saying it all year, and I really kind of at the beginning was believing it when we played uh, Cincinnati and Air Force. Um, but then here in the past two games, I was just kind of like, I think this is crock of crap. Uh, not opening your playbook. Yeah. Penn State did that. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I will I will say I did not watch a ton and all the tape on Penn State so far this year. But there was stuff I saw in this game when they played Michigan that I had not seen and noticed in other games. And it was like they had Michigan's number. They dialed in on it, and they had – plays that they had drawn up specifically for this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I'm talking about the, even the Barkley. They knew that McCray was on him, and they just flat out said, and Barkley's not that tall. In fact, he's a very short guy. And they just flat out said, can you outrun this guy? And he did. And you just, all he had to do was lob the ball up, and it was that uh, juggling uh, catch for the uh, TD that Barkley had. He just blew right past McCray. That's all he had to do. But that was a mismatch like you talked about, something like that. A running back doing a catch like that, they knew that was a mismatch. So. Yeah, and and here's another thing, too. is like they came off of a bye week for this. Yeah, they were prepared. Yeah, we they, they capitalized on a bye week. Oh, yeah. Michigan didn't 
uh, <laughs> the way that looks, Michigan didn't do crap during the bye week. That's that's what it looks right. like. I mean, I know that they say that they did, and I know that and everybody knows that they did. But when you say you're coming off bye week and, you know, you're preparing for that next team, you anticipate and kind of look for games like this. So Penn State got their stuff together. Michigan then um, for these uh, past few weeks and everything, uh, not having a lot of performance off of their bye week. But um, a lot of different things in this game. Like we were saying, uh, like you said, tale of two halves. I actually felt that this was a semi somewhat better game for the offense a little bit in different ways. Don't like jump all over me yet. Um, I felt like John O'Corn did a little bit better. I, I just feel like nothing went right for Michigan in the second half. I mean, the defense couldn't stop them and the offense couldn't score. So really, honestly, it's just like nothing went right in the second half for anybody. But in the first half, and I know the first quarter was pretty ugly too, but there, uh, before the second quarter started, uh, Michigan marched down the field after that turnover and everything. So you yeah. saw some things go better for them. And uh, some of the play calls in the second half were not what they were calling in the first half. And if you guys had listened to the last episode, um, you would have heard one of the callers bring it up and everything. I just could not believe now. And I know part of this is credit to the opposing defense, but I could not believe how long their plays were taking to develop. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about, a, yeah, they did some play action and I'm scratching my head, uh, especially that third and 11, you do a play action. I'm like, are you kidding me with this offensive line? Why would you even remotely do that? And, we, and play actions usually take a little bit long, a couple seconds longer than most regular plays just based on what you have to do and that was a head scratcher to me and you're right it seemed like every passing play it felt like it you need he need the a corn needed eight seconds the line needed eight i mean everything needed eight seconds to develop and that's just way too long i mean it was crazy i, I mean i'm literally was going why is this taking it seemed like everything needed longer to get going yeah and and i understand that some of the credit goes to the defense because i I was saying i just hated how long it uh, took to develop but it very well could be that the defense was doing such a good job taking away their quick passes that they didn't have those options i find that hard to believe that that was the case all the time another uh, possible contributing issue may have been that john o'corn was just focused on the longer passes because he was trying to get those home runs so he was completely ignoring everything that was short and quick. Right. But that most of the time, from what I saw, it just took that long for plays to develop. And you're yeah. seeing him sit back there, and then you're seeing him take, what was it, like seven steps back half the time, nine steps back yeah. or something? Oh, yeah, the time? yeah so, no, I was counting them. I was like, Corn's he's literally stepping about six to seven steps back by that time the 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 pocket has already collapsed back there so he has not stepped up you know usually you want to step back you know four to five steps and then step in a couple and to find that you know hurricane that eye of the storm around the pocket and that gives you buys you at least two seconds of time uh, and and he stepped back way too far and that's why he would get happy feet and start running and that's yeah, that was bad. I mean, yeah. What what happened to 
um, you know, just snapping it under center, taking like a step or two back and dumping it off to a slot receiver or a slant route. Yeah, never saw. Yeah, you never saw that. And then you, and then the thing that made it so frustrating, so much more frustrating. And you, you were one of the people that pointed this out because I was saying. Where are the quick passes? Why are we taking so much time? Why can't you just have a quick crossing route and hit a player and maybe have them be more athletic and get down the field or just take short passes, take three short passes and get like 12 yards and get another first down? And you said, hey, that's what Penn State's doing. And that's what made it worse is that Penn State was doing what we were asking why Michigan wasn't doing. And it was working and it was burning us because they would dump off the ball like – three or four yards, but the oh, receiver yeah. would be crossing the field and he'd already have his defender beat and he'd get over 10 yards, more around 15 yards each time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and how frustrating was the play calling from the very beginning? I mean, it was a corner under center and then a halfback behind him and it was Higdon or somebody and they'd run right up the middle and they'd do it. They'd be run, run, pass, for you know long yardage or you know third and long and then the next play run run up the middle pass on third down and i went this is this isn't good i mean this is not good play calling this is like you're you're trying offensive line already has a tough time blocking why do you think they've sniffed you out they already know you're going to do that so why don't we pass on first down and see if we can get something going uh I think that's what I would see with a corn would be, do you know how many times I would give the guy praise? In fact, I was clapping in the bedroom just based on he would do a couple steps back, step forward and step into his throw. And he was on the money. I mean, he had a couple passes were on the money in stride and then they wouldn't do it again. And I would go, that's what we want to see a pocket thrower and watch you step into those passes. And when he did it, he did it like three or four times, but that was it the whole game. And that was so frustrating. But those were the couple slants that we saw during the game that I wanted to see more of. And we only did it maybe three or four times. That was it. Yeah. That's the crazy thing too. It's just like, it's almost like the Michigan coaching staff feels like we're going to be so unpredictable. We are never going to call the same play twice. (laughs) Right. And right. then you see Penn State, and they're doing some of the same plays over and over again, and Michigan just keeps getting beat. Yep. <laughs> now, that, that, uh, the interesting kind, uh, kind of thing to say where you were um, talking about them passing on first down and having production is that's essentially what they were doing in the first half, and it was working. Yeah. And they would throw that, and uh, the commentators even mentioned that. They were like, this is what Michigan needs to do, and this is what Michigan can do to – be effective in this game is go out, pass on first down. You don't have to get first down. Just get if you can get five yards or more, you're doing great. Yeah. You know, make them make them guard the pass. Then maybe do two running plays, or if you want to, you could do another short pass and just keep them keep the defense true and everything and march down the field. And they did that a couple times, but then yeah. in the second half, they yep. I I can't remember. I'm sure that maybe they did, and I wish there was a breakdown, and maybe it's out there somewhere. But I don't remember them doing passing plays on um, first down until substantially later in the second half when they were down by 
forever. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you said it um, in the last podcast. You said that O'Corn played pretty good. He played okay. He didn't play great. <coughs> but he played great. I mean, he played pretty good, and he wasn't great. Um, I mean, he did pass for his rating was, what, 33%? That's not good. I mean, if you're going by ratings, um, compared to McSorley, who was at 80%. So there there you go. I mean, and, and look, this is what's frustrating to me, and I'm getting more frustrated game by game, and it you think – you start saying, you know what, I want to put uh, Peters in there. Okay, I understand that. I understand why people want to put Peters in there against Rutgers. But then Acorn, there were times where he had receivers open and he threw it right on the money, and the receivers aren't helping him. I, I just literally go, you kidding me, really? The guy already is getting crushed back there. He got sacked, what, seven times in this game? It's ridiculous. And yet – he does get the throw on the money, and you just – Perry dropped one. You had Peoples-Jones drop one, and I'm like right in their hands, and it's frustrating because I go, look, the receivers aren't even helping him out. I mean he's there's the tight ends aren't being used at all. I'm not seeing – you know, I think McCune had a couple catches at all, but uh, it is very frustrating to see that our, these receivers, when they do get the ball, they're literally – like don't even know that the pass got to him and they either looking away or did, it just seems like Pep Hamilton at the time, you know, seems to not be coaching these receivers up very well. And it's very frustrating to watch that. Yeah, absolutely. And, <clears throat> Oh, sorry about that. One thing that I want to mention before I forget about it, man, I, uh, I, did I mention it this? Yeah, I think I mentioned it in this one. But the emotional highs and the emotional lows of this game, oh, man, it was so rough because um, then the defense stepped up uh, at different times and was, was doing some stuff, especially in the uh, first half there uh, towards the end of the first quarter yeah. and then in the um, second, second quarter where mm-hmm. they almost got that uh, pick six in the end zone. Ah. Oh, yeah? Man. Yep. I uh, maybe it was the third quarter. I can't remember, but man, I like I like died a little bit on that because I was just <laughs> like, dude, that that right there can be a game changer. Not only does that give a huge boost to your defense, but then that crushes the offense, the opposing yeah. offense. And yeah, I was you're just right. like, man. Oh. And you're right. And the thing is, I mean, you and I haven't even remotely touched on. You know, Corn didn't have; he was okay, but we are not even touching on how just. In a way, I don't piss poor the offensive line does. You know, they're just bad. I mean, they can't. Like, what was it, Craig? In our last podcast, the caller called in and just talking about the front, the front, the very center and the right tackle position just getting blown up. Man, it's like as soon as you hand it off. If you look, remember where I was talking about the run, run, and up, and then they pass on third down. So, well, they'd run up the middle. The block they were never blocked. It just came in and they stuff us, and so we went to we passed like third and eleven, and that was so frustrating to watch this offensive line not do their job and watching a corn literally scramble for his life to try to get something going. And he just we're not built to do this. Offense is just anemic in in the way they're playing, and it's 
I feel bad for a corn because he did what he could. In fact, I think he got a lot of first downs just based on his footwork. And I got to give him credit. There's a silver lining in this game was a corn at least got us first downs when there shouldn't have been. Yeah. To uh, change a little bit of the direction here, but while we're talking about quarterbacks, I know that everybody's been, well, not everybody, but the, all the talk about putting Peters in and, you know, let's go with Brandon Peters, you know, let's already start focusing on next year. And people are forgetting that Penn State had two losses and wound up going on to win the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten title. But that aside, if you're talking about putting Brandon Peters in, I think uh, you need to start replacing the offensive line then too, because you're going to be losing some of your leadership, um, you know, next year and everything, and that needs more help than the quarterback does. Honestly, in my oh, opinion, yeah. that that unit is causing a lot of issues for the entire offense. And so if we're talking about preparing for next year, may as well start putting another offensive lineman because they need to get uh, some playing time under their belt to get ready for next year because that has been some atrocious play by the offensive line. Yeah, and they've been – and, you know, when they do block well, they Corn doesn't know that. <laughs> He's just naturally – if you think about it, he's just naturally thinking that, that uh, he's only got maybe a couple seconds to get the ball and throw it. I mean, so you can't really blame the guy. Um, but uh, – and, and the running game was just – me, I'm like, okay, you got the offensive line. It just doesn't block – it isn't blocking well. It doesn't hold the uh, defensive line for Penn State very well. And then the running backs aren't – I'm blocking whatsoever, and that's another issue is to watch running backs whiff on blocking, watching, you know, the outside, uh, watching the Penn State's defensive line come from the outside in and do sacks coming. Oh, did you ever see, did you see that play from, he really, literally ran all the way around the uh, our right tackle position and, and to sack uh a corn. Did you see that play? Oh yeah, yeah. As soon as you were uh, having that conversation, I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah, it was like it. It's amazing how he went from way over there and ran all the way around to sack him because you know the running back just didn't pick him up. Well, well, that that was trickery. I will I will give them a little bit. Uh, oh yeah, it was. was pulled them. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a coaching a great coaching move there, uh, a play call, but then. That was Michigan essentially killing themselves too because it's just like get rid of the ball quickly. Yeah. Your offensive line is not doing you any favors and you're doing stuff and you're sitting there thinking that you can do more. That's on the play calling, but then that's also on O'Corn where it's just like you need to have it in your head. You need to be counting in your head. One, two, that's it. three. <laughs> if you still have the ball, you're going to die. <laughs> Stop it, too. You may as well curl up in the fetal position and just lay down. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why I'm saying if you have a bad offensive line that's not blocking, then you got to come up with things, you know, like wheel routes to your your tight uh, your tight ends to your you know the slants like you're talking about, even the dump passes to your uh, your running backs and get them out in the out in the open, and then get your pull your tight ends and get your receivers out there to block and. And we didn't really see any see any of that, but um, 
Yeah, it, it just this offense has so many issues. But I mean, I got to give credit to Penn State. They just literally came in with a good game plan. I got to give them a lot of credit because the very fact is they didn't overlook us. In fact, I think they literally were waiting for this game and they showed up in the second half. So, yeah, absolutely. And they're going to be firing at all cylinders next week for Ohio State because they got into the playoffs and Penn State didn't, even though Penn State beat them last year. And people felt like part of the reason was is everybody was considering that a lucky win for them that they kind of lucked into it. So, um, okay. Uh, kind of another change of subject here. We're talking about the quarterbacks and everything. Uh, obviously, there was frustration and crazy emotions. Uh, we were talking to uh, – we talked a lot about that with the voicemails that we took and everything. Uh, and so then there was Harbaugh talk. Um. And there's kind of two different ways that I'm going to go with this. Uh, so I guess where I'm going to start is there was something after the game that I kind of understood. You probably know where I'm going with this. But then at the same time, I was really kind of bothered by. Okay. Uh, for several different reasons. And that was what uh, John O'Corn said that Harbaugh said yeah. to the team. Mm-hmm. So I found it on what John O'Corden said after the game about what some of the coaches or what Harbaugh said specifically. So uh, here we go. He says, uh, we know the fake love's gone. There's no bandwagon. It's us. That's what we want. Whether we're doing great or doing bad, it's just all about us. From here on out, that's what it's going to be about us as a team. The guys inside Schembechler Hall, nobody outside. And so he's talking about some of the stuff that uh, the coaches talked about after the game and everything. So I'm going to try to explain this as best as possible on why I understand this, but then at the same time, I'm kind of like, what the deuce? Um, So the first part of um, I'm okay and I understand this, Uh, with how active social media is and how there are some of those idiots out there who go out there and say absolutely awful and terrible things to directly to players um, on social media and things like that. Right. You want them to know, you know, it's us against the world. We're together on this, you know, forget what other people are saying, you know, use the criticism, blah, you know, the cliche. Um. So that's one thing where I have an understanding. But then maybe the biggest part of this, of where I'm kind of like, what the deuce is, you suffered this huge embarrassing loss, and you think it's something that needs to be brought up immediately after the game, before the press conference even, that you need to be talking about this? Like, does that make sense? Like, 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 almost no. Yeah, yeah. Like, why not? Why it's not like yeah. okay, this is we this happened. We need to work on this, you know, uh, blah blah blah. Whatever you know, you're talking about what went right, what went wrong. Working on this, you know, we got to get back into this week by week. Blah blah blah. Cliche team motivation. Cliche team motivation. But then you go ahead and you bring up stuff from why I'm understanding this being brought up by the coaches about 
bandwagon fans and things like that. It's like, why? I don't see how this is. That's like something for the bus ride home or the plane ride home or in practice or, you know, at least, I mean, okay, I guess maybe it was appropriate because people will say things immediately or even during the game and they'll tag some players in it. But it's just kind of like, I feel like this isn't the best time to just be bringing this up. No, you're right. It's like, I'm with you with that. It's when I read this, it's almost like they're saying, well, it's us against everyone else. And, and even your fan base, I mean, you're almost saying, well, us as a team and you can forget about everyone else out there, what they think. And I'm like, you know what? I understand you got to put it in context then, Jim, because you know the very Jim Harbaugh, you and and Corn, you need to figure out what fan base you're talking about, because there are some people that are very, very, very loyal, like myself, that love this team, love that you're our coach, and just are very frustrated at what we're seeing as a product because we don't want to see this kind of mediocrity in a football team and i guess there's growing pains and you know we need to be patient but jim harbaugh should know that in this day and age there's no patience especially with social media out there i mean you're either you know three to four went yeah seasons in and you should be start producing and this game like you said was an embarrassing loss it wasn't even close and it didn't seem like this team fought very hard, and to watch that happen, um, I th- it's almost like he said it because he knew it was coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I'm going, wait a minute, you don't even know what the fan base said yet, and yet you're already predicting what they're going to do. So that tells you that the fans aren't happy. So guess what? I would like to see this. I would like to see – it seemed, you know, reminds me of the Jimbo Fisher. Did you see Jimbo Fisher? His uh, The Florida State, well, they, they lost. They lost yeah. to Louisville. And he, you know, a fan in the stands literally said to him while he's walking away after a bad loss and said, get new coaches and new something. And then he, he told him to come down here and say it to his face, almost like threatening him. But, well – they asked him about that afterwards, and he just said, hey, you know, we want fans that are going to be forced through thick and thin. And I get that. I totally get that. And I understand where he's coming from. But you also got to know that there's fans that just can only hold on for so long. And to see an embarrassing loss like this is – it's tough. And, yeah, I just didn't get it. Yeah, and, and I – and you're right. There might need to be more context with it, but it's just – it's kind of like for for those who are um, not the bandwagon fans, it's like that's the thing. And both of us have said it. We understand it. But then again, at the same time, it's just kind of like, really, you know, this this is being highlighted right now. Um, <laughs> I not game, not how we played, not how we coach, not how we got stomped, not the coaching ability, not our players, not what we need to do to get better. It's this. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Let me see. I think I saw somebody say what the question was. Um, uh, I, I didn't catch exactly what the game was or what the question was. I think it was something along like, you know, what did, what did 
the coaches had to say to you after the game and everything, and they brought that up. And it's just like, so that's what you're taking away from it. It's not like, right. hey, we're going to persevere. Hey, we got to take this week by week. Hey, we can use this as a We have experience. to get better. It's like yeah. we're talking about our fan base and yeah. saying, screw everybody else. It's about us. And it's like. It, I mean, do you expect this fan base to watch a very anemic offense almost every game we've played and not ex- and know that it, the time is coming that we're going to get crushed, you know, by a team. We knew it was going to happen just based on this team wasn't scoring TDs. Did you expect the fan base to just be every game going, yeah, we support you no matter what we do, but not to be critical. I guess that's the part I'm seeing that I'm not understanding. Yeah, yeah. Here, this, this is. I think this might sum it up pretty well on how how I'm reacting to this. On how it's like, okay, so we can't be critical, but then the players can be critical of the fan base, right? And, and of course, this is you know, there's a lot of context that's missing here and everything. But like I said, it's just like when they were asked, this is what they brought up. It wasn't. I don't think the question was in reference to anything to do with the fan base. It's just like, what did the coaches talk about after the game? And this got brought up and it's like, so this is on the forefront of people's minds or was emphasized by the coaches. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, really, you know, we, we can't just like, and, and like I said, I know that there are people who go to extremes and don't do things well and are idiots out there. But then there are all those people who aren't, that essentially they're making feel like idiots anyways because it's just like i mean there's there's no bandwagon it's just like you guys realize that and and i can't remember if somebody said in one of the voicemails or if it was on social media it's just like michigan knows that the team hasn't done anything for basically 20 years right said that yeah yeah, so it's just like where yeah. where's this bandwagon? Is it a bandwagon because Harbaugh's here or something? Because there's really not been anything that anyone can jump on the bandwagon about. Like we've been through Rich Rod, we've been through Hope, yeah. we've been yeah. through the first two years of Harbaugh, and yes, it's been the nice. dark years. Yes, yeah, it's been good. It's been an improvement, and it's been good and everything. But there's nothing that we can hang our hat on. Right, we haven't been Ohio State. We beat Michigan State once. Where, where is this? If there's a bandwagon, I'd like to see it. Right, but yeah, it's so yeah, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But uh, but yeah, I just kind of had to mention that because it's just uh, so maybe I, I kind of might be making a bigger deal than what it is. Like I said, and I'll I'll continue to say this. There's not a lot of context around it, but still, it's just kind of like. You know, are they focusing more on what's going on around them than the game? Right. So I'm wondering if you just why do I would like to hear at least to hear a coach say, you know what, I can understand the frustration in the fan base and why people are feeling this way. You know, we're not doing what we say we're going to do. I mean. And remember, Drevno is the one that said, "Oh yeah, this this offense is just about the ready to turn the corner." Okay, well, you know what? That's a long corner because it certainly isn't getting there. I mean, he said that. He's the one that quoted that, not us. And we're not seeing it, so we're frustrated, and we're the ones that pay the bills. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? We're the ones that <laughs> purchase the tickets. We're the one that buy the merchandise. We're the ones that put, you know, do all that. But you know what? The fan base is, you know, we're one of the biggest in the country, but yet just address us, you know, address, say, Hey, you know what? I can understand why Michigan fans aren't happy at this point. We're not happy. You know, if, we're not happy. You're not happy. We're, we don't. We don't like what's going on within us, um, and we're going to try to fix it for you. You know what I mean? And that's how you address. That's how you talk about this. And then that makes you go, okay, I get this that he's talking to us, but overrated team. This is a little bit odd to me. So, yeah, yeah. No, I to- I totally understand. Uh, agree with that. And yeah, that's kind. Of, yeah. Yeah, like, and you're kind of going along. That's kind of going along with what I said, where it's like, you know, fans can't be critical of the team or the coaching. Like, uh, then again, we talked about the extremes, but then they turn around and they're critical of us. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, there, there's it, a lot that could be speculated and said about that, and uh, even before moving on here onto something else, missing context, but. Yeah, we've we've voiced what we've said. I don't think there will be much said uh, about it moving forward from the coaching staff or the players, but it is kind of what it is. Right. Yep. But uh, but there was that, and oh yes, so here we go too. So so yeah, so we voice. You know, we're um, uh, what is it? Uh, constructive criticism, criticism in general, you know, I mean, you can't just fall blindly, you know, I mean, if people are saying that you can't voice your opinions and you can't say, uh, anything negative, then when Brady Hoke was there and he finished five and seven, you're saying that you couldn't say anything bad. (laughs) Right. Come on. Yeah. 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 Or are they just doing this special case because it's Jim Harbaugh? People are right. saying that, but then from the other, so you go from one perspective where it's like, you need to follow blindly. You can't say anything bad about the players, this team or anything about the university to then the other perspective where everything is lost, burn everything to the ground. We need to restart. And they're talking about um, finding a replacement for Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Just laugh. God, grave! Come on. Yeah, so you so you got that side, and I was about to put it on social media, but I was just like, nope, I'm gonna save it until now because I want to bring it up, and I am personally calling for anybody who has an answer for this. By all means, call our voicemail, and I will play your voicemail on our next episode. I want you to tell me then if if that's you, if you're honestly like fire Jim Harbaugh, we need to start with something else next year. Who are you going to hire then? Yeah, that this is Jim Harbaugh's third year, and he's not uh, he's not completely finished with it yet. Who are you going to hire then that is going to be able to come to Michigan and is going to be able to win you a national championship or Big Ten title in his first three years when you're playing in the same division as Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State? <laughs> give me give me the answer where you say without a doubt we hire this person. That is going to happen without being an idiot and saying we'll hire Nick Saban and it will happen because, first of all, one, Michigan would not hire Nick Saban, and two, Nick Saban, even if they offered him the job, would not come here, and three, I'm pretty sure that, you know, the entire fan base would hate it 
that'd be almost like saying, why don't you just hire Urban Meyer? Yeah, you might as well get Mark D'Antonio. Yeah. So <laughs> who who are you going to hire? That in yeah. three in their first three years, they are either going to win a national championship and or a Big Ten title. That you know that they're going to do that. If you have the answer, feel free to call in because I, I will go ahead and listen. I will I will play it and I will give you my thoughts on that. But I don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit here and wait. So. Yeah, and I'm like. And I'm all for if critiquing and getting on Harbaugh next year by this time, then yeah, I'd say there's probably some wiggle room to do that. But uh, as far as this year's concerned, no, I don't think I think it's unwarranted. Um, not enough time has passed yet. Um, there are a few hope players, and I want to say this one. You know, I I want to. I think this gets swept under the rug a lot. You have to remember, Jim Harbaugh is literally right now, he is not, he still, still does not have his hand picked quarterback from a recruiting class. He still hasn't had this player playing. And I don't think anybody knows that. Wilton Spate's a Hope guy, and O'Corn is a transfer from Houston. <laughs> And so was Rudock. I think Rudock ended up being very, very well and fit Jim Harbaugh's system very well. I don't think Wilton Spate, who was a – in fact, he was a bench player, a bench guy with Hoke. And then you got O'Corn, who was a bench guy at Houston. He got benched. So, and in fact, I think O'Corn doesn't really fit Jim Harbaugh's system based on because he's more of a shotgun quarterback. He's not under center quarterback. You can tell when he plays. He's not built that way. And so that's what I always say is I'm like, why don't you let him get – you got, got got Milton coming in. We got McCaffrey. You got Peters there. Let them get in the system. Let him have his quarterback, and then we can see where it goes. He doesn't have his quarterback yet, so we got to be patient on that. Yeah, yeah. There are some things that people need to know and be aware of. So, I mean, can you imagine that taking over a program and you got quarterbacks that are transfers, and and one was a third a third stringer. <laughs> I mean, I'd be like frustrated as all heck, going, "Man, I got to develop these quarterbacks who aren't part of my, the way I want to run things here, and I got to do what I can to and and fit it the way I can and do as best as I can here." And until he does, you know, when we see Peters, we see Milton, we see McCaffrey in there and doing well, then we will. But uh, until then, there, here you go. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> well, to talk about some of the numbers here as we are getting uh, towards the ed- end of things, uh, we already talked a little bit about it, but um, oh, let's us see here some interesting numbers that I saw that I wanted to point out. Uh, I believe that under Jim Harbaugh, this is the only second time that Michigan has rushed for a hundred yards and then wound up losing, uh, losing, <laughs> losing the game. Um, both of them happening this year, uh, the Michigan state game and this game against Penn state, um, Michigan racked up 103 rushing yards total. Um, Michigan defense getting gashed by the uh, Penn State offense uh, that put up a total of 506 offensive yards. Michigan did not let up over 300 yards, and then this game they give up 506. Just 
in sync. So, well, this is an interesting stat. Third down efficiencies. Yeah. Uh, Penn State, four for seven. Yes. Michigan, six for 16. What's that tell you? Yep. I was going to point that out, too. <laughs> What's that tell you? That tells you four for seven that out of – we had six – we almost doubled that. That tells you big plays. Big plays, they didn't have to do very much. They only got four third downs out of seven. That means big playability. They got touchdowns on big pet plays, and and they gashed us. Yeah. They uh, were pretty even in this game, passing for 282 and rushing for 224. Uh, part of the thing that was so difficult, too, is the fact that uh, Barkley was responsible for three touchdowns, and McSorley was responsible for three, for three touchdowns. And, wow. uh, and then, of course, one of them they shared because uh, – McSorley passed it to Barkley. So, and I tweeted it out there, and some people didn't quite understand it and everything. But it's just like it was—it's was infuriating to think that two players again, uh, essentially, and I know it's a team game and everything, um, took apart or uh, dominated the Michigan defense, and yet the Michigan offense as a whole was only able to put up two touchdowns between uh, Karan Higdon and Ty Isaac running it in. Two touchdowns. And then two players on their team put up three touchdowns each. That's just crazy to think because that means Penn State's defense was able to effectively shut down the entire Michigan offense while Michigan's defense couldn't even contain two of its players, two of the <laughs> Penn State players. Right. Well, I think, uh, I think Penn State looked at a little bit of Michigan State tape and said, you know, the work he would uh, move the ball. You know, he run it. He ran it for a touchdown. He gashed us there for a touchdown. So McSorley thought there's an opening for me, and he did it. So, yeah. I mean, what did you think about? Did you see the handshake that uh, Jim Harbaugh did? The very brief little bit, and then uh, with Franklin, because uh, you know, you know, Franklin was going to run it up. He wanted 40. <laughs> yeah. But did you see that brisk handshake? And then Jim Harbaugh said something to him. I, yeah. I don't think he said anything good to him. I think he said something. I don't know what it was, but he said something. I really wish the camera camera had been on the <laughs> other side. I know. Yeah, you know, he wasn't happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, but a few other numbers here and everything, too, before the end. Wow, yeah. Man, that went by fast. Um. Yeah, you mentioned Hamilton earlier. I mean, just Michigan getting beaten down uh, on both sides, of, uh, or both rushing and passing. Uh, he alone put up 115 yards receiving. Yeah. So that was just a matchup they're nightmare. On, they're picking on Metellus in that safety position, you know. Yeah, so, and you mentioned that Michigan got sacked seven times. Uh, the Michigan defense was only able to come up with two. Uh, a couple, uh, they were big ones though, and they did a good job. Uh, both or tackles for loss. Michigan had seven. Penn State had eight. Uh, both teams wound up having uh, creating one turnover apiece. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. Uh, oh, go ahead. I think one of the glaring thing is I've noticed in. I think. This is what's going to be. This is what's frustrating to me, and I'm looking at these numbers with you. Is 
we really are at a point to where we're our offense is only scoring running the ball. I mean, can you tell me the last time we've thrown a touchdown? Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, why can't you, why can't you score touchdowns when you're doing fade passes to the corner? Why, right. why can't you? Right. I mean, I'm seriously, I'm literally right now at this moment sitting here trying to think of a passing touchdown we've had, and I can't think of one. Uh, there was the deep one to Perry against yeah. Cincinnati. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, and that was the one where you're like, "Oh, we're going to do well. We're going to get out to an early lead against Cincinnati, and we're going to walk away from this." And then the entire offense just completely pooped their pants and couldn't do anything for the rest of the game, basically. So. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, and something else here to mention real quick before moving on is uh, was the penalties um, because I know last week was awful, 16 total penalties. Michigan improved a, a little bit with only six penalties, but then Penn State walking away with only one, which, yes, while it's very frustrating because we know that that is impossible, not the case at all, that still would not have won the game for Michigan. Right. Because there were blatant calls that, that – uh, yeah, there are some bad calls in this game. Gary being upheld, uh, and obviously Craig talking about that on the voicemail, talking about that uh, uh, intentional grounding. Intentional grounding. You know, there wasn't even a person in sight, and you could see where the black line was, where the line of scrimmage, and that was blatant and amazing. They didn't even call that one. So yeah, yeah. and they didn't even look at it. No, that's the weird thing. Is why wouldn't you even stop to look at that? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. What I, it is what it is. It's not like it was going to really help us a whole lot anyway. So, all right. Well, here at the end, well, as we're wrapping things up, uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of the other uh, scores from the weekend then in the Big Ten. Uh, we've got uh, Wisconsin remaining undefeated in their – cupcake division uh they took care of maryland 38 to 13 even though maryland i guess is from the other division but anyways they're undefeated so uh Rutgers. wow how about that getting a win and it's ridiculous because guess who's tied with Rutgers? we are we are <laughs> two and two yeah Rutgers Man. took down purdue 14 to 12 uh minnesota with a win over illinois 24 to 17 Northwestern taking down Iowa in overtime, 17 to 10. And we already talked about it a little bit. Indiana basically beating themselves. I mean, still Michigan State won the game, but like I said, there was that play. Really would have made a difference there. Uh, Actually, wait, did I mention that this episode or last episode? Anyways, whatever. Um, Michigan State winning that game, 17 to 9. And Penn State destroying Michigan 42 to 13 that in turn causing Michigan to fall out of the top 25. And honestly, can you blame them? Because the only thing that was keeping Michigan in the top 25 was their defense. And the defense did not have a good night within itself. Anyways. Right. No, you're right. It's, um, yeah, they shouldn't be, but, uh, 
you know, you know, the night was wasn't going good when uh, uh, Nordine missed that uh, field goal or that extra point. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Mister Automatic misses a point, extra point, and I went, uh oh. Hope it didn't come to bite us, but later it didn't. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Nope. There. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm close. Oh boy. So. All right. Well, that was uh, a lot to fit in there, um, but that's the recap episode. And gosh, I can't remember when do the college football playoff rankings begin. Uh, got to be sometimes. Yeah, got to. Yeah, they got to be start. I think they were talking about it on. Um, I think ESPN talking about they're going to start. They're going to start talking about the playoffs, who's in, who's out. So that's. I think it's about. Right about now, they're going to start doing that. Maybe they wait for November. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But yeah, because when that comes out, we're going to be doing another episode kind of talking about that and discussing things and doing a little bit more about rankings and things like that. But honestly, rankings don't matter until the playoff rankings come out and when you can actually honestly look objectively at the teams because preseason rankings affecting the AP poll is pretty hot garbage. So. But all right, well, uh, yeah, there you go. Another episode in the books. We um, appreciate you guys tuning in. Want to leave you guys with the contact information as always. You can find episodes on our website, bluebrothersportscast.com. The ever easy place to find anything and everything is SoundCloud. That is our where we store everything and where things are posted to first. You can find it, uh, the Blue Brothers Sportscast on SoundCloud online and uh, you can email in bluebrothersportscast at gmail.com uh you can also find us on twitter we're on there daily talking about uh michigan football at blue bros underscore caleb or underscore craig and the voicemail which is always our favorite you can call anytime and leave a voicemail the number is 551-258-3276 or 551 blue bro the best times to call would be if you're going to do a recap for a recap episode after the game call saturday or sunday before eight o'clock then because we usually record sunday nights if you want to catch the preview episode call sometime before tuesday at 8 p.m because we either record on tuesday nights or wednesday nights for those preview episodes then so well the week's getting kicked off here. It's early in the week. Um, it might be a long, difficult week with how the game went this weekend. But Rutgers coming up one game at a time. We'll see how it goes. We'll finish things off with Go Blue. Go Blue.